You're now listening to The Sound of Sanity. This sound will continue for the duration of the program. Welcome to Sound of Sanity. I am Nathan. I am your humble and obedient host. Joining you today for another episode of Biblical Wisdom for an Insane World. It's what we do. Now, we have several other people on this. Well, that might be a slight exaggeration. <laughs> I don't know that we have several other people. We've got exactly two other men on this podcast. Have we ever had a woman on Sound of Sanity? Maybe once in the early days. Mm, when I we don't were, know. When we were formatally experimental. We've had women characters, <laughs> but I don't know that we've ever had. I can't think of an episode. A, a female on to just be one of our panel. But I think that's not true. I think I can think of exactly one time, but I won't bore our listeners with trying to recount it. And, but the opposite of boredom. Interest personified. Interestingness personified. That's what Ben Solzer wishes he was. <laughs> the pastor who's a, nope, the preacher who's a teacher of sanity. Boring old sanity. How's it going, Ben? You know, I tell you, Nathan, but I'm afraid you'd just be bored. No, I wouldn't be bored. No? I'd be interested. You're an interesting fellow. And oh, speaking okay. of interesting fellows, we've got another one. Yeah. You should introduce him. It's Pastor Jacob Menzel, the preacher who's a teacher of sanity. No, wait. You just, you threw me off. Wow. You're I blame loser. you. Loser. You're a loser. That's <laughs> why you fail. That's called projection. Um, <laughs> the pastor who's a master of sanity. There you go. That's me. There yeah. he is. That's him. All right, gentlemen, we are here for another delightful episode of February in the Church. This is where... Our listeners sort of crowdsource an episode for us through the magic of patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. They join that. That gives them access to our Discord. And then they throw things that they want to talk to. They want to talk us to talk about <laughs> into said Discord channel. And we divide it up into a couple different types of episodes. So we've got our more culture kind of at large episode which we generally call that month in 1984 and then we've got our in the church episodes where we talk more specifically about things that are going on in the world of the church of evangelicalism of well just anything that calls itself the church i guess and what is the first article that we have to contend with today gentlemen mm, chinese pastors can tell you what john calvin can't mm. the gospel coalition or can teach you, sorry, what John Calvin can't. And what is the thing here? I mean, honestly, it's just an article about, hey, you don't live in the time of the Reformation. You live in a different time, and you should probably pay attention to the Christian world around you and learn something from it. So it has a Including very... Including Christians, and especially Christians from other cultures yeah. that are contemporary with you. It's actually pretty solid. I liked it. I mean, it, it's a very clickbaity title. It's like, oh, John Calvin, <laughs> That that guy is no good now. Yeah, I don't like that uh, aspect of it. <laughs> it's, it's it's that's that that's really stupid. But in terms of what it actually says, I just did not find it offensive. I was like, yeah, I agree with you up to a certain degree. Except for they've done what they've always done, which is find a biblical reason to just agree with what the culture 
already is yeah. saying. And t- so it has kind of a implicit sense of old dead white guys are stupid. And yeah, multiculturalism, China, people in other countries. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in and of itself, just as information, as it's fine. facts, it's the, there's nothing that we would really. But subtext is irritating and bad, as is typical with Gospel Coalition. Sure. Yeah. I mean, one of the most important moments in my life was when. The text, the, the, the subtext right. is always the text with the Gospel Coalition. Yeah. That's yes. the whole problem, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's never what they say. It's what they're not saying or and how they're not saying it. And the to be carefully wrong is the definition of decadence. Decadence, I think. Yeah. Did yeah. Chesterton, Chesterton say that? I think. So, yeah, the, you're never going to, or generally speaking, you're not going to find an article where you really disagree with the... the Yeah, with every point or with, something or like, oh, this is heresy. Although sometimes... Actually, sometimes you will. Yep, yep, sometimes you will. Yeah, and they're just always agreeing with what mainstream culture is saying one way or another and that's dumb that's That's pretty dumb i don't know all right this article stinks (laughs) i'm reminded of when in i want to say eighth or ninth grade or whatever grade it was i was like i love bluegrass music it's the best and then my friend davey was like nathan you just like the oh brother where art thou soundtrack and you know why you like the O Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack? Because everybody likes the Bro Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. It won a billion Grammys. It's the biggest thing. And he went on and on and on and dressed me down. And by the end of it, I was like, yeah, you're right. I don't care about bluegrass music. I just liked the O Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack. And I will never be caught just liking something because everybody likes it again. And I've based my entire life on those few <laughs> <laughs> moments of, of high school. <laughs> Now, sometimes you have to be tricky and subversive because everybody likes the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack, and then a bunch of people pat themselves on the back because they don't like the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack, and then you have to come in and do a double reverse somersault and say, actually, it's pretty good. And so that's why I like Titanic and different things like that. Anyway, the Gospel Coalition, <laughs> what they do is they, they just find biblical reasons why they like the Oh Brother, Where Art Thou soundtrack. That's That's them. They're just... And it's always a, at least three biblical reasons. Right, yes. <laughs> why they like the old brother where art thou soundtrack. This is their entire model. They, fi- they find a fad that is in the mainstream culture, <coughs> a boring one, and then they find conservative biblical sounding reasons, three or four of them, to why the fad is something that they like. And we call it poppertunism. And we call it poppertunism. Well, and they don't mind they don't mind finding it for the fad and then for the counter fad, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They'll, they'll do both things. Oh yeah. I mean they're just that subversive. But what they'll never do is join the counter counter fad because they're <laughs> incapable of thinking for themselves. But they will write an article explaining the counter counter fad yes. and why it's not in the best interest of the church or something. Ten things you need to know about the counter counter fad yep. by Joe Carter. <laughs> yeah, the facts. Exactly. The story. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. And then Kevin DeYoung will write an article that actually reviews the Oh Brother Where Art Thou soundtrack and it'll be pretty good and we'll be like, why did he? Why what? is he still associated what? with these right. idiots? Yeah. <laughs> I, don't I think that his will to be associated with them just means that he's bad. Yeah, but then you read his article and you're like, eh, you know. But he's, he still says good things. Right. Mm. Okay. Chinese pastors can teach you what John Calvin can't. 
If it was just the clickbait title, I think we would all forgive it. By the way, we we understand clickbait titles. We've may have indulged in one of two, one or two of them. Uh, no, <laughs> we're really bad at it. <laughs> I am really bad. I'm like, what's the thing I'd be interested in? And then because of that conversation with Davey, it's the thing that no one else would be interested in. And I'm like, listen to this episode where we make fun of Ben, and people are like, I don't want to listen to that episode. Anyway, churches. Apply for child safety accreditation. That's mm, the next I, article yeah. to talk about. Yeah. So some people, some of the people that posted this in our Discord were worried, like, as if the government is accrediting churches. It's not. It's just some organization that calls itself. You have, ex, you have these external organizations that are rising up and taking, excuse me, advantage of or filling a need, however you want to, however you want to frame it. Mm-hmm. The ch- churches, so people are scandalized and insecure and fearful about churches and the sex abuse stuff that right. has come out in the SBC or whatever. And so um, parents are rightly concerned. Churches are concerned about being sure that they're taking care of and protecting the kids. And so you have these organizations mm-hmm. that pop up and have a set of standards mm-hmm. that are sort of best practices. And if you get accredited, then the accreditation says, well, you follow best practices. And it's good to have a set of standards. It's good to have a set of best practices. It's good to have a way of knowing whether an organization is following them. It's good to know. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to, you know, vet that sort of thing. But like with anything else, just because you have a set of standards doesn't mean that you're safe. Mm-hmm. And so it's like anything else that we've talked about. Oh, I put my kid in the really good conservative cri- private Christian school. I don't need to worry about the teachers. I don't need to worry about the curriculum. I don't need to worry about uh, what's in the library. I don't need to worry about anything else. I don't have to think about it because I have found the thing that ticks the boxes of the standards that I have. And the reality is we do what we can to protect our kids and we can we can set standards all we want. And still people are sinners right? and there are problems. And so one of the concerns in the discord is, well, does this lull people to a false sense of security? Maybe, maybe not. It depends on how, how we talk about it. And two, one of the things about these uh, accreditation organizations is their standards are going to remove a certain degree of freedom in pastoral care yeah. that can be destructive to the sheep of your church, actually. And I don't even want to give it specific examples of this sort of thing. I just want to say that following the the rigid protocols of a, an accredited organization so that you can tick boxes, jump through hoops, and get a rubber stamp so you can say to the women mm-hmm. of the church that we're safe, that's not how you want to approach things pastorally in your church. Well, when I'm getting ready to go out somewhere with my wife and my kids, there's no end to the amount of jackets that my wife will want our kids to wear. There's no end to the amount of safety precautions that we could take at a certain point is my job as the husband to say, no, we're, we, we need, we need to be to church on time. And so that's the end of the jackets. Not that I want them to freeze, but there are, there is a whole other world of things that need to get done today besides keeping our kids safe and keeping our kids safe is near the top of the list, but it's actually not the most important thing. There's a lot of other things. And I think the whole entire world of women need the whole entire world of men to say, okay, now's the place where we're done with that and we're taking calculated risks. And I really loved when we moved to Evansville, 
there's a pastor that we're all friendly with here in town who was just so open about COVID protocols. And he didn't have a chip on his shoulder. He wasn't like one of these people who was really angry about COVID protocols, nor was he the kind of guy that was just going to shut down his church and make sure they were crossing every I and dotting every... I said that wrong, but you know what I meant. (laughs) He was just like, I'm a pastor. That means I'm a first responder. Basically, that's how those were the words he used. It means I'm going to see people. I'm going to get COVID. I can't worry about it too much. I cannot let it destroy my ability to feed my flock, to minister to the sheep, to do my job. Churches do not get to stop because of COVID. Now, at the same time, will we do some video services when things are really raging? Sure. Will we wear masks? Will we have social distancing? Will we spray down the seats? We'll we'll do all that stuff insofar as we're able to do it. We're just not going to hold it so tightly and think it's going to save either our bodies or our souls. And so we're just going to kind of be open-handed, follow the rules, and get on with our lives. And I think that and that... not pretend we know too much one way or another. Right, exactly. And I think that that's an admirable way to deal with that one. I think it's actually also a good attitude to bring to the stuff that we're talking about. You know, like we, we can't, at a certain point, we can't just bubble, you know, live in bubbles and not go to church because there's a 0.0000% chance that Jake's a child abuser. Like you never really know anybody. At a certain point, we have to decide, well, we chose Church of the King. We trust Jake. Which doesn't mean that Jake goes into an office with a woman by himself. You have your protocols and standards that you follow. Yeah, and I'm not saying you don't. Of course you do. But you got there is a sense in which you have to hold this stuff loosely, which doesn't mean disobey the rules. It just means you have the rules, and then you have the place where the rules, where that's enough rules, and then you get on with your lives. And you can create sexual. The thing about sex is it's so sticky. It's so poisonous when it's when it's done, when Evil plus sex can create – what I'm trying to say is you, you can create a monster by being too obsessed, obsessed with, with protecting yourself mm-hmm. from, from the monster. monster. Yeah, You can create an you environment being, of sexual abuse. Yeah, you're then being ruled by the monsters still. And sometimes you're literally being ruled by the monsters because the monsters are the people that want you to put the protocols in place. And it's either because they don't trust themselves or because they're just that perverse and obsessed with sex. Yeah, that they want to talk about it all the time, and they they want everything to be defined by this evil and hedged in by this evil. And, yeah, and you trying to save everyone from it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would never. I'm not going to name any names, but there are people I see on social media, pastors who are just always talking about pornography and about what people wear to the gym and modesty and stuff like that, and they just go on and on and on and on and on so much about that. It's like, dude. You're obsessed with You're talking about sex. women's bodies and body parts all the time. What is your problem? Like, why is it living in your head so much? Why is it living in your head? And why And why are you forcing it to live in mine? I don't want to... I, I just want women to go and be modest. I don't want to have to think about how what's modest and what's not all the time. That's That's not modest for me to think about. Anyway, so does that mean that we are basically against the Child Safety Accreditation Program? No. Is somebody's asking probably? Yeah, no. No, not against the program, not against accreditation even, just anything like that needs to be chosen with discernment. Right. And with an awareness of what it's securing and what it's not. Right. And no system of rules replaces you as a pastor or a leader or father or a mother. That's right. That's right. And so 
it all has to be engaged with with a, a real level of discernment and a real level of pastoral freedom that is just fathers taking responsibility for the safety and security of the women and children of the church. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. But not in such a way that everything just becomes about, like if there's a fatherless boy, can I not pat him on the shoulder and show him that love? I'm trying to think of an example that it wouldn't be bad to just say out loud. Yeah, It's like, there are churches where you can't do that. There are churches where Jake can't meet and counsel with an age of majority male without a, without a bunch of protocols. That's right. And mm-hmm. when you start to get to that level, it curbs the ability of shepherds to actually shepherd. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, the goat horn demon thing. On the New York courthouse, that's the next thing that we'll talk about, the goat horn demon thing. Is there anything to say about YouTube channel? YouTube channel, did I skip something? Well, it's, it wasn't a link. It's it was not a something link. that was brought up in there ahead of that to be discussed, but I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know think there's, there's anything. anything to say about it. It was yeah. just more like a question that was... Oh, right. Well, if anybody's curious, now that we brought it up, somebody was asking if YouTube is restricting... Mm-hmm. Churches from live streaming. Churches right? from live streaming, and it's not. If you've yeah. heard that, it's not. Now, I will say one of the th- one of the reasons that you might run into that on Facebook or YouTube is because they do have protocols about copyrighted music, and so Church of the King, for example, I believe will pay a little fee for licensing fee if we sing certain songs. Is that true, or for the music, or I don't know how it all works all i know is something called ccli yeah. and you have to license music but youtube doesn't know that right and so right? youtube's just like you're live streaming a song that is in our system and then the algorithm will punish you and it's not about repressing christians it's just about beep 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 we have noticed a song that mm-hmm. is under copyright mm-hmm. now there, there you, you could argue that certain christian music providers should be charitable and actually not put their songs into those systems. You could you could make that argument if you wanted to. I don't know whether I agree with that or I, not. I don't think you really can make that argument. I mean, we've ju- we have been asked multiple times bec- because we use with all of our music Creative Commons. Right. We have been asked multiple times by people to please put our stuff in CCLI's database. Yes, we're aware that it's Creative Commons but it's actually just simpler and easier for us because we pay for a blanket CCLI license for everything we do anyway to access your stuff through CCLI and then you get royalties from it. Right. Then then you get paid like we have to pay everybody else. Right. And so would you just put your stuff in there because it's just sort of like it's the standard. Everybody does it. Yeah. You can have it both and. And so I actually just took a call the other day from... Phil Moyer, who is our music producer right. and one of the principal architects of My Soul Among Alliance. And he's just like, I, we had a principle and I think we're wrong. And I think we should just make it easier. It, we're actually, by maintaining this principle, making it harder for some churches, we're just more challenging for churches to access our stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's one of those and things so, in life you have to watch for where your high minded principles actually mm-hmm. don't work with reality and it's nice to say you wouldn't want anything to do with money associated with anything to do with the christian music that you're putting out there or the bible translation or whatever else it is yeah and you know but copyright does things like protect the the integrity of the authorial work 
mm. not just line your pockets. Right. But yeah, so we're, we're going to keep our Creative Commons licensing, but we're also going to start putting things in CCLI. I think, I think that's right. I think that's what it's called. Cool. Right. So um, CCLI is what it's called. Yeah. yeah and yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it'll just make life easier for people that want to use our music and it'll mm-hmm. make it easier for people to stumble across and find it. Right. Because we'll be in the database that everybody uses. Yeah. And the more people that use and access us through that database, the more exposure we stand to get, which right. is not how you're supposed to use it. And it's not the point, but it's, it's a fact. just the fact right. of how it works. Sometimes it's a much easier in life to subscribe yourself to a certain organization or set of rules and then use those rules charitably and open-handedly as opposed to being worried too much, too worried about them and trying to stay outside of it altogether. Well, it's like I subscribe to Audible and why do I subscribe to Audible? It's not because I can't go and use three different apps to find my audiobooks for free here or through the library there. It's just it's a it's a convenience to me that everything that I want is on this service and I'm willing to pay for it. Mm-hmm. And it's not even the best app, but it gets the job done. Right. And so mm-hmm. it's like, well, I'll, all right, I don't like paying Amazon. I don't like paying $16 a month, but I do like being able to go to one place where I can get any audio book that I want whenever yep. I want it. Yeah. And that's worth paying for, for me because I read and listen to a lot mm-hmm. and it's a big part of my lifestyle, I guess. Do you, do you ever use Hoopla or the, the library apps to let you check out books for free? No, no, I've tried and I've dabbled with that sort of thing. And I have all those apps on my phone. I've huh. got Hoopla on my phone. I've got, what's the other? Libby. Uh, Libby. Hoopla I've got and Libby, Libby are the two. I have both of those on my phone. It's, That's it's just a, personality. I mean, Ben is, is going to get a dopamine hit from having the four apps that he's figured out how to get the thing for free, and that's great. Uh-huh. And Jake's going to get a dopamine hit from giving 16 bucks to Jeff Bezos and <laughs> <laughs> just and not worrying about that it. Your pipe not thinking and smoke about it, it Bezos. Yeah. <laughs> Which is also great. Yeah. <laughs> I made Jake sound like the villain, but... <laughs> I mean, Ben could be the villain if he's wasting time that he should spend somewhere else. And Jake could be the villain if he's wasting money he should spend from somewhere else. It just depends on your situation, and your there's family. there's no grace. And there's no grace. <laughs> One, yes. or the other. <laughs> One or the other. Someone's wrong. <laughs> you choose. <laughs> <laughs> That's a repeat. No, Jake knew the repeat was coming. Wow. Yeah, good job. Good job. All right. So so that's a likely I don't know whether that's actually what happened in the case of the person that's our friend Natam who's putting this in Discord, but that's a likely reason why YouTube or Facebook would have quote unquote suppressed your Christian content. It happens all the time. Yep. As someone who is on several Facebook church pages, probably three or four have me as an admin or something like that at this because I've just moved through so many different churches doing tech work and stuff. It it's just, it just happens constantly. Something gets dinged. Something gets pulled down. It's it's just one of those things that you deal with. All right, are we ready to talk about Goat Woman? Yep. Although sure. there's not a lot to say about it, it's kind in of, my opinion. Kind of right there in front of you. Yep. So what's the story for anybody who doesn't know? <sighs> they put they they replaced the classical statue on top of a New York courthouse or whatever, or right on the ground. I was just looking at this, but for some reason, I can't remember. Is it on top? Yeah, on top. Yeah. So, and it's <laughs> it's a statue of a naked woman with goat horns coming out of a flower. And it just looks like very classic old school paganism, which it is. And it's in honor of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's what the article said that I saw. 
in her advocacy for abortion rights? Well, the actual artist said it's part of an urgent and necessary cultural reckoning underway as New York reconsiders traditional... Oh, man, how many concept words can you put in a sentence with... Uh, reconsiders traditional representations of power in public spaces and recasts civic, civic structures to better reflect 21st century social mores. And so this demon goddess thing is up there on top of this New York courthouse alongside... Is it Lady Justice? It's like a bunch of... I've been able to figure out who... Uh, I think it Confucius, Moses, Justinian. Okay. St. Louis... Manu, that's actually thanks to Nat M2 for pointing that out. Right. Fun fact, she enjoys the company of Manu, Justinian, St. Louis, Confucius, and Moses, who were up there before. (laughs) So I'm not actually making this argument, but it does strike me that we're just fine with a lot of pagan philosophers and stuff like that. And then everyone's like, oh, no. Pagan philosophers are different than pagan iconography. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with that. There's there's a huge categorical difference between nope. Confucius and a goat horned demon goddess demon who's goddess. there to celebrate Ruth Bader Ginsburg's commitment to abortion rights. Yes, no, I agree. I agree with that. I agree with that. All right, what else we got? Well, this isn't in the feed, but <clears throat> in my in my email, I get for some reason I don't know why I get updates from ProPublica, which if you've ever you might have read something on ProPublica, it's like this. Left-leaning nonprofit that does journalism, mm-hmm. kind of like its own newspaper, basically. It's won a, it's won a Pulitzer <clears throat> for reporting on something I don't remember what, because I never paid attention to it. So who knows how I was on the list. But I saw these articles about, about Christian nonprofits getting registering with the IRS as churches for the sake of tax status. <clears throat> and I was like, what? And they don't seem to be making this up. <laughs> so... There's the Family Research Council, which is a Christian like advocacy organization. I don't know much about it. And they, they, okay, quote, they sought and received reclassification from a standard tax exempt charity to an, to an association of churches in 2020. And then it's, it's like detailing how they applied for this thing because they're not a church, right? They're something else. Right. And, and so they apparently they submitted stuff like, so they said they met 11 of the 14 characteristics, I'm quoting now, that the IRS uses to determine whether an organization is a church, including an established place of worship, a chapel in the organization's Washington office building, at which it says it holds services attended by more than 65 people, unquote. Apparently, this journalist called and was told by an employee, we don't hold church services, but they have a chapel and maybe they do things in the chapel, and they're like, yeah, we, we count as a church. And then as I'm, as I'm reading this article more, thinking, what is this stuff? It talks about how Focus on the Family got reclassified as a church back in, back in uh, 2016. It, and Focus on the Family being the parent organization of the Family Research Council. Hmm. And then it, it just talks about all these other Christian agencies who have done this, which, like Samaritan's Purse, Hmm. Apparently, it's, it applied for church status in 2015. And it's just, I think this sounds really shady. Yeah. I, I admit to not having looked beyond this article, but I think that's gross. If that's true, Samaritan's Purse is not a church. Sorry. No. Neither is focus on the family. No. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know how to think about it. Obviously, we don't think of those things as churches, and they shouldn't be classified as churches, but I don't know how to think about it in terms of 
tax law dealing with tax law and the reasons why I don't want to pretend like I have some kind mm-hmm. of corner on that sort of thing. Yeah. I could see a world where it, that's yeah. the thing that makes the most sense actually when they're doing it. And then some advocacy group comes along and wants to blow the whistle on. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that's why we need good Christian tax lawyers to help us parse these things and mm-hmm. act with integrity when it comes to being shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves mm-hmm. and dealing with a government that hates us and wants to harm us. Yeah. So yeah, superficially it sounds pretty bad, but I prefer to reserve some kind of judgment about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, ProPublica is not our friend. They have a vested interest in weakening Christian organizations. Maybe I'll do a little more reading about it and see if I can find anything. But yeah, on the surface, I was unhappy. Right. Leftist organization reporting it or not. All right, well, let's talk finally about Christian rap. That was something that came up in our Discord in the February in the Church channel. Christian rap. Reformed rap. Well, it actually just started as music, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did. Yep. Chris says, some of the lyrical choices Christian pop music artists make are frustrating. End quote. Chris, I completely agree. I agree like 150%. But Chris still prefers his kids singing lyrics from Christian radio as opposed to lyrics from secular radio. Understandable. And so that prompted some kind of discussion about, well, who do you listen to and what do you like and Mm -hmm. what's worth playing in the house? And so Grey Havens and My Soul Among Lions came up, Disney came up, and then Christian hip-hop came up. And that whole little, little movement there for a minute of mm-hmm. reformed hip-hop with Flame and Shylin and a bunch of guys like uh-huh. that. Stephen the Levite. Stephen the Levite, beautiful eulogy. A moment where Lecrae. Right, right. Tim- Timothy I Brindle, that. that sort of thing. Came up and, yeah, some of that, some of that music, it, I mean, it's dated stylistically. Like a lot of Christian hip-hop, it's very derivative stylistically, but lyrically holds up and is good catechesis, if you want to think of it that way. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. I haven't listened to much of it. I did listen for a time to Propaganda, who's not... Maybe he's reformed. I can't remember. I never really liked his style that much. Well, he's spoken word. Right. Yeah. Not a spoken so, word guy. I am when it's good. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I, I, I thought some of his stuff was good. I eagerly await the actual genius of this movement. I think rap and theology go together really well, actually. I do too. I think we do well to understand a lot of the prophets more through the lens. I think rap, I think poetry, I think beat beat poetry poetry is a great truth telling medium and that there is a link between that kind of truth telling and the prophets of the old Testament who in poetry and wrote in poetry for a reason. It's effective and it's sticky. And we don't read it like poetry or understand it quite like poetry because we don't understand Hebrew poetry. And it doesn't, Hebrew poetry doesn't translate. But if you go through and even just like you read some of the Proverbs out loud in Hebrew or you read some of the, the, some of Isaiah or one of the minor prophets out loud in Hebrew, there's a there's a, a rhythm and an alliteration and a that's just like virile and masculine and sticky and potent. Mm-hmm. There's a it's sort of like like Anglo-Saxon poetry mm. 
Like if you just heard somebody reading Beowulf or something like that. Or like chant. And not that far from certain forms of hip hop. Well, so yeah. Hip hop has the, and I do not claim to be a expert on the musical stylings of the urban elite. But hip hop is an idea dense kind of music. I mean, okay, I'll just let's just be basic. Let's just all be basic. We've all heard Hamilton, right? Yep. Oh, what a what a great he found the right medium. Like if he, if he had done traditional Broadway, it would have been much harder for him to have an, a story that was as dense with ideas and concepts and big words and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, conceiving of the fights in the cabinet as rap battles, super fun, and you could get a whole lot. It conveys a lot of information quickly Yeah, in a way that like a Roger Hammerstein song, you can barely say, I love you. Before with, with, in three minutes, yeah. Mm-hmm. So certain kinds of music are, su- are suited to certain kinds of things, and I think. And as a matter of fact, guys, I went to Chat GPT and I said, "Write a rap about John Calvin's tulip," and I will perform it for you now. And I think, <clears throat> oh yeah, oh yeah. Listen up, y'all. I got a story to tell about a man who made a mark and did it well. John Calvin, the name that you need to know. His teachings still impact us even after years have gone. Tulip, that's what he taught. Five points that can't be bought. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible <laughs> grace, perseverance. Calvin's tulip. Let's break it down. Start with total depravity. We're all lost and found. We can't save ourselves no matter what we do. Only God's grace can rescue me and you. Tulip, that's what he taught. Five points that can't be bought. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible <laughs> grace, perseverance. Next up is unconditional election. God chose us before the foundation, not based on our works or our deeds, but by his sovereign will, he takes the lead. Limited atonement, a controversial point, but Calvin believes that Christ's death was anoint to save only elect, not everyone, but those who believe will have a new dawn. Irresistible grace, it's what we need. The Holy Spirit works and our hearts are freed from sin and death and all its hold, and we become a new creation. Bold. Tulip, that's what he taught. Five points that can't be bought. Total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, perseverance. So that's the story of John Calvin and Tulip. His teachings still impact us and continue to equip us with truth and hope and a new way of life, praising God forever through trouble and strife. Whoa. (laughs) Wow. Thank you, chat. GPT or GT. Yeah, I think you did a pretty good job. Little old school, but yeah. We could take that and spend an hour and have a really great rap, probably. All right. Anything else to say? Yeah. You should all join our Discord. Yes. And feed us things to talk about. Yeah. Especially about the church, because the Gospel Coalition's just so lame that nobody even wants to post articles from them anymore. You guys got to so. be our eyes and ears out there. Yeah, we need more. We need our birds. We're Soramon. And we need birds to spy out little hobbits that are trying to run away from us who hide under rocks. So, and we'll be on a tower chanting nonsense and making it snow. You remember, Ben, how Jake was on a tower chanting nonsense and making it snow <laughs> the other day? Yeah. <laughs> I was in there just this morning, guys. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a jerk. What a, what a jerk. Yeah. Oh, that avalanche right. fall. Hey, if you want to be part of that Discord, go to patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. Sign up for today as little as a cup of coffee a month. I mean that metaphorically. Of course, you'd be giving us the money that you could have spent on that coffee. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. It is as important as it ever has been to support this work if you don't want it to go away, as we've talked about in recent episodes. 
So I'll say it one more time. Patreon.com forward slash sound of sanity. You can also go to warhornmedia.com forward slash give to make a one-time tax deductible donation. And there might be other ways you can support us too. Reach out if you are interested. Until... Oh, and rate review. We haven't gotten good reviews lately. I mean, we haven't gotten bad ones either. We just haven't gotten reviews. So rate, review, subscribe, share. We're on Twitter at Nathan Alberson at Jacob Mensel, I think is what it is. Yep. You can also find at Chip McGregory, who's been on fire lately. If you like Chip stuff, then follow that. And if you like Desmond Dark is a good follow on Twitter. I think they both have like seven followers or something like that. But I genuinely think that they deserve more. So check that out. And yeah, if if you've never left us a review, then go to your podcasting app of choice and review the show today. In fact, we'll dictate one for you. So first you hit the five stars and then you say, my name is so-and-so and I'm here to say that I listen to Warhorn every single day. This podcast is awesome. It has theology rap. Not like I like to laugh at possums, and that is that. There you go. There you go. If you can come up with something that doesn't have a horrible slant rhyme in it, do that. Right. <laughs> but if you can't, <laughs> just <laughs> plagiarize me. Plagi- plagiarize. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Until next time. Stay sane. Stay sane.